We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is a story by the slice. I'm your hostess, Lindsay, and with me are the mesmerizing and quick-witted Emily and Ashley. Ooh, I love it when you guys describe us. I feel like I am more desirable now, (laughs) based solely on that description. (laughs) I have famously said in the past that I would spelunk into your depths so uh that's true that's like literally recorded somewhere (laughs) it's literally out there for the world to hear so yes maybe maybe it's also because i found out i lost 21 pounds that feels nice i'm so sexy now (laughs) even though i still look like a potato (laughs) i am the sexiest of the potatoes Potatoes can be sexy. Potatoes yeah. can't. Yeah. You're a, you're a Yukon gold potato. Oh. Ooh, I sound fancy. <laughs> you're really good mashed. That got weird. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I was into it. <laughs> All right. Today's slice is a tale of intrigue and dangerous secret ingredients. Ooh. Oh my god, I'm so fucking excited right now. <laughs> Danger! <laughs> like, not in a sexual way, but maybe a little. <laughs> I think you're really gonna like this one, Ash. <laughs> god, I'm so fucking excited. The evening of March 18th, 1984, would mark the start of one of the most bizarre unsolved cases to ever take place in Japan. Oh my god, yes. At 9 p.m., Three kidnappers, hidden behind masks and armed with guns, broke into the Nishinomiya home of the president and CEO of the Izaki Glico Company, 42-year-old Katsuhisa Izaki. The company, which is more commonly known as Glico, is famous for selling sweets, most notably Pocky. Is that the caramel that you chuck at the slip bounce No, Pocky are those like little like itty bitty mini breadsticks that are like usually like dipped in chocolate yep i had a friend who used to eat those so yeah that's the glico company i've I've seen them but i have not ever put one in my mouth they're pretty good i have had them before they sell pretty much everything such as hamburger meat and ice cream in addition to their sweets (laughs) hopefully not together (laughs) yeah hamburger meat pocky (laughs) 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 Their products are crafted with oyster glycogen, which is said to have a health-boosting effect. Izaki's kidnappers force their way into the residence after first breaking into the home of his mother. They left her bound and gagged in her home before using her spare keys to enter the home of her son, who lived next door. I was just about to ask, do they live in adjoining homes? Yeah, they live right next door to each other. 
Don't marry that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Once inside, they bound and gagged his wife and daughter before dragging him out of the bath. They left his family behind, unable to call for help after cutting the phone lines before shoving him naked into a vehicle that was waiting outside. Oh my God. Sucks. It's like my worst nightmare. (laughs) It was March too. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) It's bad enough to be kidnapped, but kidnapped in the nude. Yeah. Winter. His kidnappers gave him a coat and a ski hat as they transported him to a warehouse in Ibaraki near the river docks where they announced their demands. Referring to themselves as the monster with 21 faces, they wanted 1 billion yen, which equates to about $9 million, as well as 220 pounds of gold bullion. The ransom letter had been found in a nearby phone booth. Remember, this was 1984. Yeah. Just randomly leave it. Yep. Yeah, I got there a second later, and I was like, phone booth? Oh, wait, 80s, never mind. Yep. <laughs> 1984 was a good year, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. I was negative three, so I would not know. I was one. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, I wouldn't have been one yet because it was March. I would eventually be one. The huge ransom amount, not to mention the high-profile kidnap victim intrigued and confused the people of Japan. Crime rates in the country were particularly low, and what little crimes there were, were dealt with quickly by the police. In fact, there were only 27 reported kidnappings in the whole of Japan in 1983, and the police had solved 97% of all murder cases, making them one of the most effective police forces in the world. Yeah, but did they really solve them, or did they do what other countries have done where they quote-unquote solved them? Oh. Well, either way, that's an impressive clear rate, but Mm -hmm. we don't got that over here. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) This elusive organization, the Monster with 21 Faces, was able to avoid police capture like nothing the Japanese police had ever encountered before. The Osaka-based extortion ring seemingly crafted their name from a shape-shifting thief in a 1936 novel titled The Fiend with 20 Faces by Edogawa Rampo. The pseudonym was used by Harai Tairo and based on the Japanese translation of Edgar Allan Poe's name. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Here's how the novel starts. Quote, In recent days in the city called Tokyo, in every neighborhood and in every house, wherever two or more people are gathered, they talk about the mystery man with the 20 faces, just as naturally as if they would talk about the weather. 20 faces is the nickname of a mysterious robber who has been stirring up the newspapers every day. It is said that this thief has 20 completely different faces. That is, he is extraordinarily adept at shifting disguises. No matter how bright the place, and no matter how closely you observe him, it is impossible to detect his artifice. He looks like an entirely different person in each of his disguises, so it is said. An old man or a youth, a captain of industry or a beggar, a scholar or an illiterate nay, even a woman. They say he has the ability to completely transform himself into the person he has chosen. And not one person has seen which face is his true face and no one knows his true age. Among the 20 kinds of faces he possesses, which is the real one, no one knows. Yes, 
perhaps even the thief himself has forgotten his true face. End quote. It's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Or you Stark. <laughs> <laughs> the girl has no name. Or Jack and Hagar. <laughs> this case, which is known as the Glico Morinaga case, or Metropolitan Designated Case 114, is the first case where Japan's National Police Agency, or the NPA, were unable to make a single arrest. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The extortion ring would continuously taunt the police, members of Glico, and the media by sending over a hundred letters mocking the police over the next year and a half following the kidnapping of Izaki. Following Izaki's kidnapping, roadblocks were established around Osaka and the city was put on lockdown as the NPA searched for him. Their searches turned up nothing until Izaki was able to somehow escape after being held for 65 hours. But naked. He had a coat and a hat. That's all he had. They gave him a coat and a hat. And he was like in a warehouse on the river docks. So I would imagine he was very cold. That's Mm -hmm. unfortunate. Yeah. Especially for a man. Yeah. He stated he'd been able to loosen his bonds and kick down a door before escaping on foot. After getting the attention of two railway employees, he was able to phone his family and the police. Everyone was relieved to see him alive and unharmed following his harrowing ordeal, all without the crazy ransom being paid. Marilyn Ivey, who was associate professor of anthropology at the University of Washington, stated in a paper that the letters that would become synonymous with this case fell within four subcategories, threat letters, written challenges, warning letters, and end of hostility letters. Weird. So they did like one of each of these like all of their 100 some letters that they sent to the police and the media fell within one of these four subcategories that is so many letters wait they did all this in 65 hours they sent over 100 letters within a year and a half so this this whole thing is in the span a year and a half it started with the kidnapping so one of the first threat letters published april 8th 1984 read quote to the stupid police Are you idiots? What are you doing with so many people? If you were pros, you would catch us. Because you guys have such a high handicap, we're going to give you some hints. Wasn't an inside job. There weren't any of us within the police. Also, none within the Mizubo Kumiai, which is the union that owned the warehouse where Izaki was being kept. The car we used was gray. We bought our food at Daiye Supermarket which was a large grocery chain. If you want to learn more, put an ad in the newspaper. If you can't catch us after this much info, you guys are just thieves of the taxpayers' money. Should we also kidnap the head of the prefectural police? And Put an ad in the newspaper. <laughs> Someone should kidnap that fucking attitude. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. What a dick. <laughs> Newspapers would print these and other letters that came in over the following months, all signed with Kaijin Nijushi Menso, which roughly translates to the mystery men with 21 faces in English. Over time, the phrase would be translated to the monster with 21 faces. The letters would include taunts, red herrings to throw police off the scent, and jokes. Many of the letters were sent directly to the press and not the police. 
but this wouldn't be the end of things for Izaki or the Glico company. Three weeks after Izaki's escape from the extortion ring's clutches, six vehicles parked in front of Glico's corporate offices were set on fire. <gasps> I'm sorry, that's so random. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> a short while after this, a container containing hydrochloric acid and a threatening note addressed to Izaki were found in the warehouse where he had been held captive. Two fires broke out at Glico plants and were believed to be the work of arsonists when an anonymous caller told the company that the harassment would stop following a $1.3 million payoff. And this was the 80s. It wasn't long before the real motive behind the Monster with 21 Faces group was revealed. Cocaine? No. <laughs> you said this was the 80s. That was my yeah, first thought. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> so remember earlier how I mentioned that Glico's products contained oyster glycogen that was yes. described and sold as having health benefits? I mm -hmm. do, because I was like, what? Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird and random. Yeah. So in mid-May 1984, the extortion ring began sending letters to various news outlets in Osaka, claiming that the products that Glico claimed were so healthy were in fact the opposite, even going so far as saying that candies they produced were laced with cyanide. <gasps> uh oh It's Rasputin. You called it. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. <laughs> and thanks for visiting our beautiful <laughs> Any Anytime someone says cyanide from now on, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Suspicious. <laughs> As you can imagine, this news caused panic amongst the public. Well, yeah. Retailers of Glico products frantically removed them from their stores and urged their customers to return any products they may have recently purchased. In total, this massive recall cost Glico around $21 million. <gasps> Jeez. Jesus Christ. Not only resulting in a huge financial loss, but the company's stocks plummeted and they were forced to lay off 1,000 workers. Oh my God. Worst of all, during an analysis of the candy, not a single trace of cyanide was found. As if this wasn't bad enough, a copycat extortionist was also terrorizing the food industry. A 42-year-old man was charged after trying to extort $214,000 from the Tokyo Coca-Cola bottling company after threatening that he'd lace the drinks with cyanide. The president of Kirin Brewery, Hideo Motoyama, stated, quote, the Glico case is very much our concern too. If this kind of crime is left unpunished, there will be no stable operation of food companies, end quote. The Monster with 21 Faces continued to send out clues and taunting letters to the media and police, with one on April 23rd, 1984, even stating what type of typewriter they were using when they wrote their letters. <laughs> Jeez. The Pan Writer Typewriter, which used the hiragana syllabary. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I really thought you were going to say gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> was important because it was a very rare and obsolete style of typewriter. All the letters were also written in the Osaka dialect which is known for being able to communicate emotion and humor. They once instructed Glico employees to arrive at a particular phone booth at a specific time to receive further instructions. But when police disguised as employees showed up, no phone call was ever made. The following day, another letter was received stating, quote, you thought you could fool us, 
dressed up in your nice businessmen's blue suits, acting like salarymen. But those shifty eyes gave you away, end quote. Oh, wow. They're really taunting the heck out of the cops. Yeah. In one letter, the group stated that they'd burned 15 boxes of cyanide-tainted glico chocolates and taken another box off a store shelf in Osaka. On June 26, 1984, it seemed the extortionist had grown bored of torturing Izaki and had instead called for a ceasefire. In a letter, they wrote, quote, To our fans throughout Japan, <laughs> We're satisfied. The president of Glico has already gone around with his head hanging down long enough. We would like to forgive him. In our group, there's a four-year-old kid. Every day he cries for Glico. We also haven't eaten any for a long time. And we used to eat it all the time. It's a drag to make a kid cry because he's deprived of the candy he loves. So we're also really upset. It would be great if we could forgive Glico so the supermarkets could sell their products again. Japan has gotten terribly hot and humid. So when our quote unquote work is done, we want to go to Europe, Geneva, Paris, London. We'll be in one of those places. The police have done a good job. Hang in there and don't give up. Even Sherlock Holmes couldn't beat us, the monster with 21 faces. If you read the story, Kaijin Numenso, or The Fiend with 20 Faces, you'll get a lot smarter. The police's European tour. Let's go to Europe to catch the monster with 21 faces. Let's bring Pocky, the traveler's friend. Delicious Glico products. We're eating them too. See you in January of next year. End quote. What in the actual frig? Because I'm trying to curse last, remember? Not the actual frig. Like, are they now trying to be an ad campaign for Glico and apparently European tourism? Yeah. So this turned out to just be another red herring. Ah, uh, okay. They would, in fact, go after six more food manufacturers. Jeez Louise. The first to be hit was the Marudai Food Company. Unlike Glico, they agreed to pay the money to make the harassment stop. Marudai set up a police sting operation to capture whoever was working for the extortion ring. So on June 28, 1984, an investigator posing as a Harudai ham employee took 50 million yen and boarded a train in Osaka headed towards Kyoto. The drop-off point was going to be marked with a white flag along the train tracks, at which point the employee was ordered to throw the money from the train. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can just see somebody hurling a bag out the window. <laughs> I'm just picturing like either like a big like postal mail bag or like a mm -hmm. giant suitcase. Because it was the 80s, it would have been like a giant Samsonite briefcase. Would have been amazing. Somebody standing on the side gets nailed in the head. <laughs> <laughs> it was on this train that one of only two clues in this case was discovered. A man who became known as the Fox-Eyed Man for his large fox-like eyes. Ooh. While on the train, the undercover officer noted a large, fit man who was acting suspiciously. Although he was followed by police when he disembarked and boarded a train headed back to Osaka, they lost him. He was spotted again by another officer at Kyoto who attempted to tail him, but he once again was able to give investigators a slip. In September 1984, the monster with 21 faces targeted Morinaga Company, who was best known for their fruit-flavored taffy-like haichu candy, and they demanded $400,000. When the candy supplier refused, 
The following letter was sent to media outlets across Japan on October 8th. Quote, to moms throughout Japan, in autumn, when appetites are strong, sweets are really delicious. When you think of sweets, no matter what you say, it's morinaga. We've added some special flavor. The flavor of potassium cyanide is a little bitter. It won't cause tooth decay, so buy the sweets for your kids. We've attached a notice on these bitter sweets that they contain poison. We've put 20 boxes in stores from Hakata to Tokyo. End quote. That's messed up. You're threatening, you're threatening to poison people's children. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. The news had retailers and police all over the country checking their stock of Morinaga candy. And this time, the monster with 21 faces was telling the truth. Police discovered boxes of Morinaga angel pies and choco balls with extra labels in Kyoto, Osaka, Kobe, and Tokyo. The labels read, Danger contains poison. You'll die if you eat this. Signed, The Monster with 21 Faces. Unlike previous threats, this time the candies actually did contain cyanide. Between October 1984 and February 1985, 21 packages containing cyanide-laced candies were located. As if this wasn't terrifying enough, the group sent more letters to media outlets, letting the public know in no uncertain terms that they meant business when they said that next time there wouldn't be labels on the deadly candy. On October 7th, security footage was captured in a store in Osaka of a man wearing a baseball hat placing Glico chocolate on the store shelf when the letters about the poison candy had been released. The news of the videotape man was made public on October 15th. Due to the bad light and low quality of the lens of the security camera, not to mention the fact that the store had reused the same tape over and over again for the past year, it was hard to glean more information about the man in question. The video was sent to the state-of-the-art labs of NHK, which is Japan's national public television network, but the image could only be improved slightly. All that they were able to glean of the person in question was that he was a man in a Yomiuri Giants baseball cap, wearing glasses, he had permed hair, and appeared to be around <laughs> 170 centimeters tall. So 80s. I know. <laughs> Just like Glico before them, Morinaga Company soon found itself suffering from boycotts and lost profits, with their stocks dropping around 22%. The fox-eyed man was spotted again during a money exchange with the House Food Corporation in November of 1984. The company worked with the police when the extortion ring demanded $410,000 be delivered to a rest stop near Otsu on the Mishin Expressway. They were to hide the money in a can under a white cloth. Although the cloth was there, the can wasn't, so officers called off the operation. It was later discovered that officers from the Shiga Prefecture Police had investigated a suspicious vehicle near where the money was supposed to be dropped. They saw a station wagon with its engine running, but the lights were off. As they got closer, they saw a man sitting in the front seat wearing a gold cap low over his eyes. He was using a pair of wireless headphones plugged into a wireless receiver that was in the passenger seat. The man drove off and the police gave chase, but they lost him. The stolen car was found abandoned at Kusatsu Station, and the receiver was being used to listen in on police from the six surrounding prefectures, including the one where the drop was taking place. The monster with 21 faces went on to demand 100 million yen from Fujiyako, 
and 50 million yen from Surugaya, who are other candy companies. In January of 1985, the composite sketch of the fox-eyed man was released to the public. A man named Manabu Miyazaki, who had family ties with the Yakuza and bore a striking resemblance to the sketch, was brought in for questioning. His alibis checked out and he was later released. Shoji Yamamoto, the former superintendent of the Shiga Prefecture branch of the MPA, took the failure of his officers to apprehend the suspect so personally that on August 7, 1985, he went into his backyard where he doused himself with kerosene and lit himself on fire. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. He did not wow. survive. No. And that was the prefecture where they, the guy was in the car and they gave chase, but they weren't able to follow him. Five days later, in what would be their final letter, the monster with 21 faces mocked the man's death. Quote, Yamamoto of Shiga Prefecture Police died. How stupid of him. We've got no friends or secret hiding place in Shiga. It's Yoshino or Shikata who should have died. What have they been doing for as long as one year and five months? Don't let bad guys like us get away with it. There are many more fools who want to copy us. No career Yamamoto died like a man. So we wanted to forget about torturing food-making companies. It's not us, but someone copying us. We are bad guys. That means we've got more to do other than bullying companies. It's more fun to lead a bad man's life. End quote. Uh, so those people sucked. Mm-hmm. And after that, nothing. No more letters. No more scares. It was like they just disappeared. During the investigation into the case, 1.3 million national and local police from five prefectures investigated 125,000 suspects, ranging from disgruntled Glico employees who lost their jobs following a merger of two Glico subsidiaries, to stock manipulators out to drive down the cost of shares, to people with a personal vendetta against Azaki himself. The more outrageous suspects included North Korean secret agents, and the Yakuza. Every single one of them was cleared. But several theories were developed as a result of the interviews and tips that poured in. Unfortunately, none of the 28,300 tips, which were all followed up on, panned out. Jeez. Tips. <laughs> <laughs> How many tips? One theory was that it was Izaki himself. And according to Siichi Tagawa, the then head of the National Public Safety Commission, he told the Manichi newspaper, quote, right from the beginning, we haven't been getting much help from the Glico president, end quote. To this day, the identity of the person or people responsible for the monster with 21 faces remains a mystery. During the 17-month-long ordeal, no one was ever poisoned, no money was ever exchanged, although several drops had been made, and no one has ever been caught. And with the statute of limitations expired, for both the kidnapping and the poisoning of the candy. Even if anyone came forward, they wouldn't face any charges. Katsuhisa Izaki, who is still president of the Glico Group, told the Japan Times in 2000, quote, I haven't forgotten the crime entirely, but I hardly remember it in my daily life, end quote. His message to the monster with 21 faces, if they're still out there, was to never, quote, repeat this kind of crime ever again, end quote. As a final note on this case, I'll share with you this interesting quote from a November 14, 1984 letter. Quote, Who are we? Sometimes a policeman, 
sometimes a violent gang, sometimes a factory hand, sometimes a kidnapper. But our true identity is the mystery man with the 21 faces. End quote. That's wild. So fucking weird. I love it. It kind of makes me wonder if they were inspired by, uh, was it the Chicago Tylenol murders or something like that? Where there was cyanide in the Tylenol. That was 1982. Yeah, maybe. Because they kept talking about cyanide over and over and over, and then they actually put it in something. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but then there was also that guy that poisoned his kid's candy, like, on purpose. Yep. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's some crazy shit right there. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, A, Sherlock Holmes would have caught you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, he just would have. That's, yep. like, a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also B, like, I don't fucking understand what they got out of doing this. Like, why was it worth all of the time and energy and effort that they put into writing all those letters and doing all this stuff? Like, I imagine they just got pleasure out of watching how afraid people were because people had to have been terrified the threat of cyanide in the food that you give to your children. And that you also eat. Yeah, such popular brands. That would have been terrifying, and they must have just gotten pleasure gleefully sitting there watching the news as they're pulling stuff off of shelves. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but then if you're the type of person who's wired to get pleasure from something like that, you wouldn't just stop doing yeah. it. Yeah, it makes you wonder, did they go to Europe and do something else? Maybe yeah, that's just died. the thing. It's like, did they actually do what they said did they or was it something where because that one guy killed himself over it maybe they were like because up until that point no one was getting hurt it was all fun games but then once someone was actually hurt as a result of this they were like we've taken it too far and now we need to stop yeah maybe i don't know that's a weird like mix of psychological like mindsets to hold all at one time but i could see that maybe being the case like it's funny as long as no one's actually hurt but now a cop killed himself in like one of the worst ways i can possibly Mm -hmm. imagine yeah yeah that's horrifying yeah well and this is how urban legends are born Mm -hmm. i actually in one of my sources which i will list momentarily they did mention um halloween candy like a Hmm. So ingredients for this dish were sourced from a 2021 All That's Interesting article titled During the Harrowing Glicomoranaga Incident by Bernadette Giacomazzo, a 2021 Medium article titled The Monster with 21 Faces by A.W. Naves, 2021 Crime Reads article titled Japan's Most Notorious Kidnapping is Still Unsolved by Ferdison Cayetano, a 2019 The Ghost Machine article titled Unresolved, The Monster with 21 Faces, the Glicomoranaga case, and the candy poisoning incident of 1984 by Lucia. A 2016 Atlas Obscura article titled The 1980s Crime Ring That Poisoned Japan's Candy and Never Got Caught by Kara Giamo. A 1996 Critical Inquiry article titled Tracking the Mystery Man with the 21 Faces by Marilyn Ivy. And a 1984 New York Times article titled The Great Candy Caper Leaves All Japan a Twitter by Clyde Haberman. It's a weird story, but I liked it. I'd never heard of that one at all before. Had you, Ash? No, I didn't. That was was cool. Fucking crazy from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I'm into it. I feel bad for being so into it because of how that police officer died. Because, like, don't get me wrong, that 
that eats at me mm-hmm. that that happened because like obviously for that guy it was personal mm-hmm. and that sucks too because they were actually the closest they were the ones who yep. got the closest to doing their job like to getting them and then he still took it that hard like that sucks mm-hmm. but it's such a fucking weird mm-hmm. case. yeah it's a little kind of zodiac killer was sending the letters to yep. or the circleville letter writer and it's the thing that is so confusing to me is like so they're demanding these huge sums of money but they aren't getting them and there were companies that were paying up but they never picked up any of the money that was left out ever that's nuts that's crazy so it's like they were just in it for the thrill they weren't in it Mm -hmm. to make money it's crazy it's mind-boggling it is well on that note Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a mysterious story by The Slice. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy, and not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, the $7 Cryptid Hunter, and the $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at pineapppizzapod. That's pineappapp, pizza pod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com. Don't forget, A-P-P. That's important. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.